You are listening to Local Voices, a community podcast produced by the Echo newspaper which takes a deep dive into the news that matters the most to you. I'm your host, Hayden Moore. What you're listening to is a clip from episode 24 of the Local Voices podcast titled Are You Winter Ready? To hear the full thing, visit echo.ie forward slash podcasts or type in Local Voices into whatever platform you listen to your podcasts on. Dr. John Cullen is a consultant in general internal and respiratory medicine in Tally University Hospital, and he joins me on the line now. Thanks very much for your time, John. Not at all, Hayden. Good afternoon. It's great to be able to have a chat with you about all of this. I just wanted to say very basic about what you actually do in Tally University Hospital and what your job is. So I'm a consultant in respiratory and general internal medicine. My current job is consultant in the acute medical unit. So that's a unit in the hospital, which is very close to the emergency department. And basically, we um, take patients over from the emergency department who we deem suitable for the unit. We try and get them dealt with very quickly and either admitted or discharged within a six hour time frame. So we're aiming to try and get most people home. But inevitably, some people need to come in and we try and get them either into our short stay unit, which is our ward, or upstairs if we deem them to have, you know, a longer length of stay. So we have two units essentially side by side, an assessment unit, which is kind of like a medical emergency department, if you like. And we have a short stay unit, uh, which essentially forms, uh, behaves as a ward. Right. And would you deal with a lot of people who have respiratory illnesses then? So about 20 to 25 percent of our presentations would actually have some form of respiratory illness. The majority of these would be uh, people with COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And these people would tend to come in with what we call exacerbations. So exacerbations are flare ups of their underlying COPD. And the usual cause of that flare up would be an infection either viral infection or bacterial infection, but there are other things that can lead to flare-ups as well. Aside from that, we would see people with the flare-up of asthma, and then we would see people who don't have asthma or COPD that would come in with uh, viral illnesses, um, lower respiratory infections, and pneumonias. Would you would, would you say that you'd see an, an increase in the number of people coming in with problems to do with the, their respiratory system with the change in weather? Would there be a direct correlation there? Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about that. If you look in any year over the last 10 years, you will see um, quite a significant increase in respiratory presentations to the emergency department and on the wards um, over the winter months. So from October till about March, we would definitely see an increase in all the different respiratory illnesses, whether that be COPD, asthma, or as I say, people just with viral infections and pneumonia. So yes, the winter months are particularly busy for us. And then I wanted to ask you then, actually, just now that we're talking about kind of respiratory illnesses, what actually is the the respiratory system? The respiratory system? Ah, okay. So anything really from the nasal passages, Uh, right down to the alveoli or the air sacs in your lungs. So essentially, the air goes in through the nose or the mouth, and it then goes into your um, upper pharynx, which is your upper airway, then into your trachea, uh, which is your lower airway, or your windpipe, if you like. It then divides in two, so you've got a tube going into the left lung, and you have a tube going into the right lung. And these two tubes subdivide, so you've got smaller airways or tubes, which we call bronchi. 
And then they go into the lungs themselves and supply oxygen to these little air sacs in the lung, which we call alveoli. So that, in a nutshell, is the respiratory system, really from the nasal passage down to these small little air sacs in the, in the lungs themselves. Right. So if someone has something like COPT, COPD or, or asthma or like bronchitis or another respiratory illness, is it essentially that like there's an infection somewhere along that line? whether it's in the lungs or it's up in the throat or wherever it could be? Yeah, so you, everybody has these bacteria in their airway anyway, um, in the nasal passages and the upper airways, but they're, they're deemed to be good or, you know, beneficial bacteria. What can happen in people, well, it can happen in people without lung disease, but it is more common in people with lung disease, is that either viruses or bacteria get lodged into the upper and lower airways, and then they cause an inflammation or an infection. Um, so we do see it in people without lung disease, COPD and asthma, but it's much more common in those people. Um, but we do get people, we get 19-year-olds without any underlying lung disease who come in with respiratory infections as well. Okay, and I suppose during a, a time like this, people are probably that little bit more hesitant about going to the emergency department or, or getting themselves checked they're just trying to just trying to cope with it and deal with it because of the stuff going on with COVID-19 people are that little bit more afraid Absolutely. but like but when is the point where you, you people need to just seek help and go to the emergency department is there is there a point where you just have to go right that's it now like what's that what's that point it's a very good question. And I think certainly if somebody has developed um, the main symptom to watch out for in terms of having to go into hospital, there's no doubt is shortness of breath. You know, a lot of people with COPD and asthma will have some baseline shortness of breath and they know and they recognize what that is. And it can, they can have minor fluctuations on that day to day, depending on the weather and what have you. But if somebody does have shortness of breath to the point that they're distressed with it or it's disabling them you know so if they can't speak you know uh, short sentences if they're finding it very difficult to mobilize at all if they're finding it difficult to lie flat if they're if it's reached a point where they feel very distressed with it certainly that would be a prompt for me to contact either their gp immediately or come straight into the emergency department for review so that's the most important symptom to look out for the other one would be chest pain. And I certainly think if anyone develops central uh, chest pain, which is very tight in nature, or they've got pain to the side of the lungs where they're finding it difficult to breathe and the chest pain um, is increased by breathing or coughing, again, that might be an indication that they've developed an infection. And at minimum, I would recommend a call to the GP immediately. Um, and if all else fails, come into the emergency department again for a review. I suppose like, we have kind of discussed how there has been like that massive drop in, in, in temperatures. And there's days like today where it's that little bit uh, snappier the cold is and it's a little bit yes, wetter. Absolutely. Um, and we're, we're coming into that influenza season as well. And the days are getting darker and obviously COVID is still out there. So people are naturally staying indoors more and not really leaving the house. They're just trying to stay in as much as possible, it seems. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that we have to totally stop moving altogether no absolutely and you know it's important that people try as best they can to lead a relatively normal life or certainly than the life that they had pre-covid with with exceptions of course so the main thing um is to 
follow the, you know, the guidance on protective measures. And these are always updated on the HSC and the Department of Health uh, websites, you know. So the usual sort of things that we know about now, you know, the social distancing, two meters, wearing your mask, particularly in places where you might be around other people like supermarkets and other, um, you know, sort of facilities like that. Um, not having too many people from different households over to your house, you know. And so they're the sort of things we need to think about. But in addition to that, I think it's very important for people's sort of mental health that they do try and get out of the house where they can. Go for short walks, wear your mask, make sure that you're socially distanced from other people, apart, of course, from other people within your own household, you know. So, you know, we're, we're facing into a very difficult couple of months, I think, because the initial onset of COVID was obviously in the spring months where the weather was good, where we had long days, where it was bright. And I think it was that much easier to sort of cope with it. Now we're coming into winter. The weather's not as good. We have shorter days, darker nights. And, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but I think it's important for people to get out and do a bit of exercise where they can keep well nourished, have a very good diet, you know, uh, and as I say, try and get on with things as best they can, um, but keeping safe, obviously, at the same time. Would you say that maintaining a good level of general fitness by exercising and maintaining a good uh, diet, as, diet as well would be one of the, would be the key tips really for avoiding those flare-ups and avoiding other respiratory illnesses? Absolutely. Um, a lot of our patients with COPD, for example, are linked in with pulmonary rehabilitation programs, which uh, essentially, you know, if you if you boil it down to what's important with pulmonary rehab, it's exercise. And they do a combination of aerobic exercise, which is walking uh, or, or steps uh, and resistance training, which is more, uh, you know, weight training. And that's been shown to be very beneficial in COPD. It reduces symptoms, it reduces exacerbations, it reduces admissions. But even if you're not linked in with the formal pulmonary rehabilitation program, I think it's important to do your own, um, you know, your own exercise program if you can. That might be just walking around the house, up and down the stairs a couple of times. It might be lifting a milk carton, you know, two or three times. I think it's important just to keep the muscles um, working. Otherwise, people can become deconditioned very easily. Uh, and also, there's very good evidence that exercise benefits people, not just with respiratory illness, but in general, in terms of their mental health as well. In terms of a diet, yeah, very important to, you know, eat well, eat little and often rather than big meals. Try and ensure your diet is high in protein. And where necessary, you can supplement that with nourishing desserts and drinks, such as, for example, Complan. So I think good diet and exercise um, where the person's capable of doing it is very important. I mean, obviously, if you've got very advanced lung disease, you may not be able to do very much. But even a little is beneficial um, in terms of not only not getting deconditioned, but in terms of, you know, um, optimizing your mental health as well. You've kind of mentioned mental health, mental health a couple of times. That's something that I wanted to ask you about then. Is, is there any correlation between something like stress and anxiety and may, maybe people coming into the emergency department with shortness of breath? Is there any correlation there? Yeah, there certainly is. I mean, you know, the problem is that uh, it, it's like almost like a, a, a double or a triple whammy. 
So people with lung disease, um, COPD particularly, there's an increased incidence of anxiety and depression with that, you know, depression because people aren't able maybe to do what they could do before. So that can affect mood, but also anxiety because the feeling of shortness of breath and panic can be a very disabling one. So that's not very nice. And it's very important that we as clinicians manage that for our, our, our patients with COPD and other lung diseases. On top of that, of course, we've COVID and even people without lung disease are feeling highly anxious. And there's this sort of ongoing level of anxiety that people report over the last few months. So there's been an increased incidence of both anxiety and depression in people um, in the COVID area. Throw on top of that, coming into the emergency department, where there's a natural fear of going into hospital, you know, and you really have, as I say, a triple whammy there. What I would say to people is that do come into the emergency department where you need to. Don't avoid coming in if there's a serious issue in your eyes, you know, because we can manage people who we suspect may have COVID and those who we suspect don't have COVID. And they're very different pathways and we should be able to manage people in the different patient flow streams so that patients with suspected COVID um, are managed in a separate area to those that we think don't have COVID, you know. So I completely understand and acknowledge people feeling anxious during this time. You know, the whole COVID thing has only increased that. But it's important that these things are managed. So do speak to your GP, do speak to your consultant, and if necessary, you can get support through COPD support groups, through the National COPD uh, Helpline, and also the asthma support groups as well. So very important that anyone feeling like that talks to somebody, even if it's just a friend or a family member, but there are other supports in terms of GPs uh, and other support groups that can help as well. That's actually something that like I found recently is like these days can get really heavy. Like the stuff that we're dealing with on a on a on a day to day basis can really weigh down on top of you. And like there's days there where I'll be like Jesus, like I feel a real tightness in my chest or something like that, just with the general well, stress. And but there's nothing like a good run. <laughs> and, like I'm normally a fit and healthy dad. Like there's nothing wrong with me. But um, like, I can like I feel like a good run really helps me. It, it does now that, you know, there's there's several different strategies that can help, you know, where you can exercise, go for a walk, listen to some music, calming music, you know, that can really be helpful. Not everyone believes in meditation and mindfulness, and it can be a tricky practice to, you know, to put into practice. But that can also be very beneficial if you can sort of, you know, get into that. Um, there's no doubt it can be very difficult to differentiate between anxiety symptoms and respiratory symptoms. And the chest tightness that you report, the chest pain, that's a very, very common thing, you know, and it can be very difficult to know whether that's anxiety or whether it's a real respiratory symptom. What I would say to people is if you have any doubts, you know, seek medical advice, have a quick chat with your GP, ring the COPD support line, you know, or, or, or talk to your medical team in the hospital. That can be a tricky one, but there are ways we can manage anxiety and depression. Um, as I say, exercise, as you mentioned, is very helpful if you can do it. Mindfulness meditation, but sometimes just taking a moment out to listen to some music can be very helpful as well. But, you know, as you know, as you pointed out yourself, 
it's far from easy, um, you know, particularly in the cu- current climate, you know. Yeah, that's a big thing, I suppose, is like, especially with something like our nutrition, our diet, like if we are trying to manage it as much as possible, it's okay if we if we get that takeaway. Like, that's fine. Absolutely. Oh, it's absolutely, you know, and, you know, gosh, nobody's going to say anything to you for having the odd splurge, you know, the odd bit of fast food. Absolutely. It's important to keep nourished, whatever that nourishment is, you know. Yeah. What I would say to people, you know, I would have a few sort of uh, words of advice around that. You know, try and avoid excess caffeine. Um, there's a temptation. I think all our caffeine intakes have gone up during the last few months. I know they have in the hospital. But try not to really drink excess caffeine. It can make you very jittery and anxious. So it's a double-edged sword there. Try and keep very well hydrated. And it's a difficult thing to do because not many people like drinking water, but it is important. So I would advise two to three litres of water per day, which seems like a lot. But try and get it in early in the morning. That's a very good time because dehydration can make people feel very tired, very edgy, very anxious. So do keep that water intake up and try and minimise caffeine use. Alcohol, you know, I'm not going to say don't drink alcohol but do it in moderation because again binging and then feeling hungover will only increase your level of anxiety and a large amount of alcohol is a known depressant and will affect your mood as well so look at everything in moderation as a diet not too much caffeine good water intake and minimal or a moderate amount of alcohol i just had to say dr john cullen thanks so much for having a chat with me on local voices Not at all. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Don't forget, this interview was part of a bigger episode of Local Voices. To listen to the full thing, visit echo.ie forward slash podcasts or type in local voices into your streaming platform of choice.